Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up for today. As usual, um, we're going to be talking about the seven lies that people tell themselves about retirement. Are they only seven? Uh, well, we're starting off at seven, the okay. biggest seven. The you biggest know, seven, all right. Everybody has these little white lies they kind of tell themselves, you know, kind of about like your diet, and but we do the same thing about retirement. So mm-hmm. we're going to dig into that and talk about what people do to deceive themselves about retirement. Yeah, and we're going to follow that up with an article from uh, Mr. Dave Ramsey talking about uh, car payments. If you ever listen to a show, um, you know, it's interesting as people call in, most people have car payments, and it really is robbing a lot of people of their retirement. We're going to go through the numbers and the math and show you that if you can get rid of your car payment, you know, and you start paying yourself, it makes a huge difference in retirement. Absolutely. As he says, you could be driving your retirement. You don't want to do that's that. Right. So. I see a lot of people driving their retirement out there. That's right. So that's a great topic. Yeah, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. We uh, Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon right hey, on our website. Yeah, go to website is moneymd.net. We have the uh, link to the right-hand side. You can listen to it from our website, or you can go out to the Podbean um, website. It has them categorized and it has uh, quite a few more choices from our historical um, library. And also Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Money MD. Um, we put some pretty good videos out there of our prescription of the week, and uh, would love for you to go check that out. Absolutely. Yeah, do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can link to us there. You can email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly also at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with our fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from Social Security and pretty interesting uh, information here. 61 million Americans received some type of Social Security benefit in 2016. Um, And the uh, total income, uh, the payroll taxes and the interest from um, the balances accounted for about $957 billion last year. And that was $35 billion more than what it paid out. So it's in the positive right now. But... The uh, projections are within the next five years, total income um, will uh, will be exceeded by expenditures and outlays. So starting to flip a little bit. Seems like they've been saying that for a while. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was actually already running deficits, and the uh, you know they were they were looking at the the trust fund being out of money. Mm-hmm. But in this case, they haven't even started running deficits yet. So that's a little better than I thought, actually. Yeah, I think it switches pretty quick, though, because it says right. by, I think, 2034 that it's going to run be out. out. Of, this be out of money. Per- yep. Yeah. So anyway, bottom line here is you need to plan for your own future. Don't count on Social Security replacing a large chunk of your income. Right? Yeah, they're going to make changes to it. They have to. There's no choice. Eventually they will. Yeah, but, you know, it's given the... Things are going on in Washington. I, I doubt oh, that's going to happen anytime not, real soon. No, I would agree with that. There you go. All right, so let's jump into the seven lies that people tell themselves about retirement. This is based on an article out of CNBC.com. And, John, you know, we all tell ourselves little white lies from time to time. You know, like those two banana nut muffins I had yesterday. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> told myself, you know, this really won't make a difference in your diet, right? Um, <clears throat> so we, we all kind of kid ourselves. I held off until about 4.30. Did you? So, but I had, there was one left. It was calling my name. Oh, I, man, they I were good. couldn't just leave it sitting there. They were good. But yeah, then you regret <laughs> it later, you know. Same thing with retirement, though. Retirement's no different. I mean, no matter how many years you have from calling it quits, it's essential that you have some kind of plan in mind for finance and retirement. The days of counting on Uncle Sam, as we just talked about, you know, for Social Security and company pension plans to carry you through to old age are long gone. I mean, we're living increasingly longer now, um, you know, and so you got to you got to plan for your future and you have to plan early. Um, but it's easy to get fooled by some of the myths that are out there about retirement planning that exist on the Internet and the misguided advice that's kind of passed along unwittingly by family members or friends giving you tips, so to speak. But, you know, heeding bad tips, they could cost your future when you can least afford it. So here are some of the common myths about retirement planning and the truth behind them. So the first one here we're going to look at is it's okay to postpone saving for retirement until the other needs are taken care of. (laughs) That can't be further from the truth. You got to take care of retirement early on. Um, Don't fall in the trap of thinking it'll be easier to save for retirement in just a few more years. You know, there are competing expensive needs, no matter how old you are, from college loans, wedding expenses to, you know, home, kids, to college. Um, you know, every year you delay means you're going to save, you're going to need to save more to get on track. In fact, we've run the numbers before. Typically, if you wait 10 years, you got to save about three times as much to end up with the same amount of money, you know, at age 65. So you don't want to delay. Those first years are critically important. So the best time to start saving for retirement is when you're like 22 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, it's when you're really, really young. And when you don't have all those responsibilities, you don't have kids, you don't have a lot of dependents, maybe. Um, So when you first get out of college, you need to hit savings very hard for retirement. If you can get those first 10 years fully funded with like a Roth IRA, that alone makes more difference than the last 20 years whenever you're looking at how much you'll have for retirement. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one, Steve. And the second best time is to start now, right? If you yeah, can't exactly. start at 22, start start today. For sure. Um, so that that's a good number, uh, myth number one. Myth number two is Medicare, most people think, will take care of most of their health care needs in retirement. And the truth is, is that Medicare covers about half of all the health care costs for those that are enrolled in the program and for the rest, you, you know, you're going to be on your own. I mean, that means you're going to be on the hook for out-of-pocket costs for uncovered services such as long-term health care as well as dental health, um, eye care, along with supplemental insurance costs. So a 65-year-old couple retiring this year is estimated to need about $250,000 to cover their medical expenses throughout retirement. And that's, you know, that's according to some uh, studies out there. There's one by Fidelity. Um, that they've done. And, and much of that comes in the final years um, of, of life. Um, so, you know, exactly. that that is a big myth because medical is. is very, very expensive. Very, very expensive. So you have to make sure you can fund, you know, health care and all those things in retirement. It's got to be part of your plan. So you just got to build it all in. That's a good one. The next one here is you'll need far less income in retirement to maintain the same standard living. You know, some people think they can get by with 
I don't know, half as much income in retirement because they won't have taxes as high and, and won't be funding their 401k. You know, some of that's true, but that certainly is a myth. I mean, you know, in some cases you, you do need less money, but it may not be as much less as you might think of. Surveys of retirees have found that they spend much more in the early years of retirement than they do later on in retirement. So in those first 10 years of retirement, we found that, you know, people tend to travel more. They want to knock out their bucket list. So, you know, when they're healthy and and rightfully so, so you may need just as much in retirement as you did pre-retirement. You know, but spending habits, they do vary widely, widely. So many financial planners, they kind of frown on the traditional rule of thumb of 70, 80% of your pre-retirement income to maintain your lifestyle. That is true if you really do don't, you know, don't spend additional money if you don't have to spend more on health care. But most people do have to spend more on health care in retirement. But you won't have 401k contributions. You won't be paying into Social Security. So that does knock it down a little bit if you live the exact same lifestyle. But if you reach retirement and you find that, um, you know, it was a bad guesstimate, then you're quickly going to see yourself looking at work or some other way to bridge the gap. You don't want to be in that situation. So make sure you do the planning. You may not need 100% of your earlier income in retirement, but take the time to analyze exactly what you spend in retirement, exactly where your money's going, and come up with a solid plan for how much you're going to need in retirement. Don't take the myth that you're going to need a lot less money in retirement. Yeah, and the other piece that people forget about is inflation. When exactly. they do a plan, you've got to build that inflation factor in there, and that makes a huge difference. So Huge, and that's why we go through <clears throat> real planning mm-hmm. for people that are approaching retirement. Absolutely. Number four here on the list is uh, uh, the myth that you can claim Social Security early and still get full benefits later, and that is not true. Applying for benefits as soon as um, eligibility begins at 62 will certainly entitle you to you know the monthly checks immediately. But when you claim early, your benefits are going to be 25% less if you had waited until your full retirement age and about 75% less if you were able to hold off until the age of 70. And that really makes uh, remains one of the biggest misunderstandings among people that use AARP's Social Security Q&A tool. Um, you know, this myth is, is not only wrong, but it's also, you know, dangerous. So when you, when you lock in those benefits, um, at whatever age you start, that's what they're going to be for the rest of your life. So you got to do planning around that as well. Yeah. Social security, you know, it seems simple on the surface, but when you dig into it, it's more complicated than that. So you really got to do some serious planning around when to take social security, you know, claiming it early may still be the right move for some people if you have medical issues or you really need the income now to live off of early in retirement. But, you know, if you can delay it, um, it makes a big difference. And typically we see with married couples, the person earning the most in, with Social Security will want to delay their Social Security because the, the survivor of the two of you get to take that higher number for the rest of their life. So you have two life expectancies for the higher Social Security benefit. So it's a little more complicated. Um, You really want to look into that and do some serious planning around that, around when it comes to Social Security. Next myth here is, number five, you should rely heavily on bonds rather than stocks as you get older. Yeah, I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, they would. And, I mean, perhaps you do need to be more conservative, but, you know, the old adage of, Taking your income, I mean, taking your, you know, 100 uh, minus your age 
and putting that number in stocks or, you know, now they recommend maybe 110 or 120. Mm-hmm. I still think those, those old guidelines are not really valid. You have to look at your individual situation. Um, you know, that common advice, it, it, it made sense when retirees, retirements were shorter and inflation didn't have as much time to erode away your savings. But when you're planning for a 30 year retirement, you know, as you should do now, 30, 35 years, you know, it changes the way you think about it. Um, so the fact is you need, you know, fixed income isn't paying what it used to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, today you can only get two or 3% in fixed income if you're lucky. Um, bonds don't pay what they used to and inflation's been low recently. So you have to factor all that in to figure out, you know, how much you need in stocks. But typically we still recommend retirees have 50, 60% in stocks. In today's world, there may come a time in the near future when bonds are paying more and you can maybe have 40% in stocks, but you need to be in that range. You, you still want to make enough returns so you can draw your income and keep up with inflation, have your money still growing a little bit. So that's a big myth. Don't don't rely heavily on bonds or all fixed income in retirement. Yeah, that's right. And it, like you said, it's um, specific to each person. Some people may have enough money that they could do that, but uh, that's where the planning comes in and making sure that you can pr- uh, produce that for 30 years. Absolutely. Um, the, the myth number six is um, uh, retirement target date funds will allow you to set it and forget it. And, you know, it's true that target date funds, uh, it's an appealing option for 401ks and other retirement plans. The fund automatically adjusts to a more conservative asset mix as you approach retirement um, and the fund's target date. But um, that can give consumers a false sense of security and really lull them to, to sleep in a lot of cases um, because they ignore uh, their their savings. And, um, th- you know, the, when you start looking at the target date funds, Steve, uh, a review by the SEC showed that these funds – they vary widely on how much they have in stock. Some of them for the same year have as little as 25% or as much as 65% in stock. So you got to be careful that, that you pick the right one. And, um, you know, there's a wide uh, variety of target date funds. So don't set it and forget it. Exactly. Understand the one that you're in. If you pick a target date fund, understand kind of the glide path of how it changes over time. Because when we look at target day funds, we analyze these a lot when people bring the portfolio in and we look at their retirement plan, and they do very widely. I find they're, they tend to be a little too conservative. Mm-hmm. You know, they tend to, to, to err on the conservative side for the more, uh, I guess, conservative employee in the plan. Um, so you really want to go into those with your eyes open and understand how it's going to change over time and what the allocation is going to be. Um, so that's a good one. The last myth here is you'll be able to make up a savings shortfall by retiring later or working part time in retirement. You know, I mean, that's that's a hope or a last resort. That's not really a plan because you really don't know. I mean, it's unwise to rely on future circumstances in your 60s or 70s. You know, 40 percent of retirees that were surveyed. Um, were found were forced to re- stop working earlier than they had planned, citing health reasons or having to care for a spouse or a family member or perhaps a layoff. So things can change. You may not be able to work as long as you plan on in retirement. So you don't want that to be your your plan, okay? Or working part time. You know, even a job loss well before retirement can be tough to recover from. People age fifty five and older uh, currently spend 
more than 13 months of on unemployment, according to the AARP, and uh, nearly five months longer than younger job seekers. So, you know, don't take it for granted. You'll be able to make up for years of failing to save enough on the back end of your working career. You may not be able to get a job and you may not be healthy enough to do it. So uh, there are your seven myths about retirement. Seven. So don't kid yourself about retirement. Do the planning. Make sure you, you do it right. All right, and that brings us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with investing, and it uh, says, I see uh, where small stocks did really well last year, um, but this year they're not doing anything um, compared to some of the other uh, mutual funds out there. So the question is, is should I buy them when they have not done too well? So, Hmm. um, you know, buy low, sell high. Is that that the old adage? So, yeah, I mean, you know, last year was a great year for small stocks and this year is is not. But that's if you look back at their history, they have some volatility to them. And um, we believe in being diversified. So we would view this maybe as an opportunity to buy them if you do some rebalancing. It is. I mean, having said that, we don't want to time it. And nobody knows what next year is going to be with small stocks. Just because they haven't done well recently doesn't mean that they're going to have a big rebound, you know, later this year or next year. So, you know, the key is to stay diversified. You know, we believe in, in spreading your money out, being diversified in a lot of different asset classes, not timing it, and just letting markets and asset classes do their thing. And, you know, you will be rewarded for being diversified. You'll yeah. lower your risk. and That's protect. what diversification is, is there's going to be, you know, every year you look, there's going to be something on the top. Exactly. <clears throat> it may be bonds, you know, um, in a very bad year. But that's why you diversify, because some years small stocks are going to do fantastic. Some years they don't. Yeah. Who would have thought emerging markets would be doing as well as they are this year? Right. You know, last year they were one of the worst asset classes. So it changes very quickly. So you want to stay diversified. But it's a great, great question of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is turning your car payment into a multi-million dollar retirement. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, this is uh, from the Ramsey organization. And, um, you know, do you ever feel like you're out of cash before your paycheck clears the bank? I mean, we hear that a lot. I listen to Dave on the on the radio, and there's a lot of people that do struggle with um, with paying their their bills. And there was a recent career builder survey that found that three quarters of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, that money crunch really affects their ability to build that bright future that that we talk about and savings and so forth. And cost of living is a top reason people don't save for retirement. And that's according to uh, the Ramsey Solutions research. And these statistics, Steve, really, they come at no surprise when you consider that um, Americans own more than one trillion dollars in car loans wow isn't that an amazing number a lot of money i mean it's something that we used to pay cash for back just probably in the 60s and before you never could hardly finance those and now everybody finances their car and it's just like the staple is considered normal it's a shame yeah it is it is normal it costs a lot yeah so what, what would happen if to to your retirement if you got rid of that car payment i know that sounds weird and and impossible, but we're going to take a look at at how you can do that and make this change in your life. And it doesn't happen overnight, but over time, you can switch this and start paying yourself. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is get ahead of it one time, you know, and then start paying cash and saving ahead of time. So we'll get into that here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, Americans, they spend more and they pay longer for new cars nowadays, unfortunately. 
According to Experian Automotive, who releases data on the latest car financing trends each quarter, their most recent report provides kind of an unsettling look at how Americans fund their new cars. Um, nearly 9 in 10 cars, new cars, are purchased with borrowed money. Hmm. So, ouch, only 10% pay cash for their cars. That, that's a shame. Small, small percentage. That's very small. Yeah, and the average new car loan, John, is over $30,000, almost $31,000, with payments over $500 per month with interest of about four and three quarters percent. Wow. 500 bucks. 500 bucks. So, I mean, that's, gee, that's, that's a retirement, you know, contribution. Oh, it is. It's a Roth. It's a Roth. And unfortunately it's going to the stupid car, you know, I mean, that we should have saved ahead for and paid cash for is really the bottom line. Yeah. The average new car term is, is 68 months. I mean, that's more than five and a half years. Yeah. It's approaching six <clears throat> years. That's, that's a long time. And six and seven year loans now uh, comprise a third of all purchases, making them the the second most popular choice for new car buyers. Six. That's hard to seven believe because seven years, your car can be almost worn out in it's seven a rust, years. It's a rust bucket. Well, I mean, it could, it could have if you put twenty thousand a year on it, it could have one hundred forty thousand yeah, on it right. in seven years. That's about you know when I like to start looking for something newer. So take a moment and put yourself in the shoes of the average car buyer. In the best case scenario, at the end of sixty eight years, you'll have paid more than thirty four grand for that car. And maybe it's worth twelve thousand now, right? That, so that's a lot of depreciation. That it, it is. If you opt for the seven year option, you're out in at least another thousand dollars, you know, in interest charges, and your car your car is worth even less than that. So human nature being what it is, obviously after that many years and that many miles, you're not as impressed with your ride. Um, so you go out and you buy another new car and that process starts all over again. So it's just a cycle. It um, is. And, um, you know, you have to have some delayed gratification in this process to get through it. So, you know, this never ending cycle really means that you're you're permanently dedicated a chunk of your income to an asset that depreciates. Right. Car, car payments. Exactly. You're behind the whole time. Yep. You always owe money on it. Your money's always working against you. It's not working for you. That's right. So it's not just that five hundred dollars a month in car payments. It's eating away at you. It's in fact that you know you're sending that money to the bank and, and you can't use it to build up any savings for retirement. And you, you're right to be concerned because this is a cycle and it's robbing you of your retirement. That's right. I mean, simply put, I mean, if you didn't have a car payment and, and instead worked with somebody to invest that $500 a month in your 401k or Roth IRA, I mean, you could retire with more than a million dollars after 30 years. That's what the math comes out to. A million dollars just from putting in that five hundred dollars a month for thirty years, you know, and that would certainly go a long way toward closing the four trillion dollar retirement savings gap that you know studies show that Americans are currently facing. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, that's five hundred dollars a month that's not going toward your retirement. If you just got ahead of that one time, John, then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. paid cash forever and saved ahead of time then you would never have a car payment. Yeah, so we're going to go through kind of Dave's thought process on this, and I've seen this work with people. So this this does work. This is a good process. But let's say you have a paid-for car that you're driving now that's worth, let's say, twelve grand. And so instead of taking out another loan to go buy a new car, you stick with this one for a little bit longer. You save that $500 car payment in a good you know, money market fund in your bank and, and specifically for a car replacement. And in two years, you'll have 12,000 cash plus your trade in and you can buy a nicer, 
um, you know, new to you car without a loan, right? So you go pay cash for that. So you you exactly. kind of stop that process. And now that you've learned how awesome that that money savings can be, you don't mind driving your current car a little bit longer. And uh, your replacement car replacement fund continues to grow because you're still putting that five hundred dollars in there. And then you can, if you wanted to t- take that money, you could get, then go get a thirty one thousand dollar vehicle. But the key is 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 you drive your cars longer and you take that payment and you set it aside. Right. You do that really one time till you build up and, and you get the money in cash that in your car fund to buy the new car every time. And so you're just paying yourself ahead of time. You're still paying for the car. You know, I've done, I've done the math on this before for young people and actually calculated it over a 30 year time period over somebody's life. And if you invested the money and made like 8% a year in a car fund and really invested it, um, you'd have over $200,000 more money mm-hmm. by retirement by doing that than continuing to finance cars. And you would never have a car payment. You know, you would, you would always be paying cash for the car. You'd be ahead of it one time. <clears throat> so $200,000, it's huge. It is a big number. It really is. <clears throat> you know, so if you have that car fund, you know, of course, you don't have to to use all of that for a, a, a new car or for a great used car. So you have a sizable balance in your car fund, you know, that keeps growing to your next car purchase. So that's building up. And, um, you know, at this point you could stop contributing to it. You can start putting that $500 toward retirement. You can start funding a Roth IRA for a tax-free retirement mm-hmm. fund once you retire. Yeah, that's right. So, so getting rid of this car payment forever, it may sound impossible but we've seen people do it and um you got to really you got it's a trade off is it um is your future worth it is there enough um you know value in your future that you can you know not have that that brand new car today and you can you can have a much brighter future in the uh, you know going forward if you're saving for retirement so no car really no matter how fancy can give you the peace of mind in retirement that that kind of security really comes from having a plan and following through with it and um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some plans on this. We, we talked about it earlier with exactly. the, um, the seven issues people have with, uh, the seven myths with, um, retirement and it comes down to planning and, and car purchases are one of those things that you really have to, um, you have to make a switch on. You do. You just can't fall into the old routine of financing every car for the rest of your life. You got to get ahead of it one time, John, build up a car fund. That means maybe driving your car extra long this time starting a car fund, buying a good used car next time. Don't go out and buy new and just fall in that trap of driving your retirement and build up a car fund and then start buying good used cars every Mm -hmm. time, have the money ahead of time, and then start putting the extra money in a retirement plan. So it's a great topic, really is, and something we're really serious about. So we can help help you set that up if you have questions about that. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, this prescription, we um, we had a segment on it a couple of weeks ago, but, um, you know, very important um, to uh, to have a plan to pay off your mortgage before going into retirement. So, you know, when we meet with um, folks in their in their 30s and they're looking to buy a house, we, we really recommend that they get a 15-year mortgage. Absolutely. Man, if you're in your 30s and you can have that paid off by the age of 50, um, that's just a brilliant situation because then your kids may be going to college and you can help cash flow some of that. You can save more for retirement. It just opens up so many windows and so many options. If you can, you know, have that mortgage paid off certainly by retirement, but if you can have it paid off in your mid fifties or 50, 
it's a brilliant strategy. It's, it's perfect because then those last 10 years toward retirement, you get to slam all that money in your retirement plan, you know, and like you said, fund college and other needs, but you want to get that house behind you at some point and the mortgage. And, you know, ideally if you're young and you can plan for it, you want to do it, you know, by the time you're 50, really 45, if you're, if you were 30, when you buy your house, and you do a 15-year mortgage, you're done by 45. Yeah, that's right. How great is that? And then just, you know, don't fall in the trap of refinancing it over and over that's again. That's exactly right. If you go buy a new house and you get another 15-year, pay it off in whatever window you had left on the old one. So if you had it paid down to eight years, then you got to pay that thing off in eight. Amortize it over whatever, however long you had left. And certainly if you're 50 now and you're headed to retirement in 10 years, you know, you need to take your mortgage and if it's not paid off and amortize it over the number of years you have left to retirement mm-hmm. and make those payments. We can do that math for you if you need help with that, but figure out how much you have to pay per month to have it totally paid off by the time you retire. Yep. So get the mortgage behind you. Great prescription of the week. Okay. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.